All right, so I am here with Joe Sarno. We have a very special episode today because Joe Sarno, advanced training has spoken for itself. He's won the Tough Man in 2018. He won the Tough Man in 2019. He was the Challenge Champ in 2018. He's ranked number six all-time in PowerPoints. His name has been mentioned in almost every single podcast that we've had as a guy that's either a great competitor or somebody that they're striving to be like or to beat. So Joe has started his own training outfit, and we want to talk about the journey that it's taken him to get where he's got to today and what he's going to do with the program. So, Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Coach. Pleasure to be here. So, Joe, what, what made you to start, start to decide to do your own training out, outfit or program or whatever you want to call it? Uh, so when I was younger, especially when I was in high school, I had, uh, I had a lot of great mentors. I really did. You know, My father was a big bodybuilder as a, as a young guy. And he still is now. He's still very into lifting. He's still even through quarantine. You know, we work out in our garage. We take turns. Whoever can, you know, try to get whose hour in first. Uh, but it was a little bit different than an athlete's way of training. So a lot of the times I actually struggled. And for one of the reasons is my flexibility. Because as a teenager in high school, I didn't really work on stretching. I didn't really work on flexibility at all. I didn't, I didn't care about it. I just wanted to get strong. And I thought that being strong was going to correlate to being fast, which it does. But flexibility is such an important factor. And I didn't think about it. And the athletic training facility that my high school was really pushing at the time. And it's I'm not going to say the name of it, but it was just so out of my price range that I couldn't even think about doing that to my parents. I couldn't even think about asking them because at that point, you know, I'm not working. If I am, I'm making you know, 200 bucks every two weeks or like a hundred bucks a week, whatever you want to say, you know, so I can't afford it myself. And I just didn't want to put that burden on my parents. So right now I'm so I'm striving to make something that's, you know, affordable for the high school kid, especially the Staten Island high school kid who they kind of have a lot more money than I did at that point in time, usually right now. So I try to make it as affordable as possible. And I try to use all the experiences that I've had throughout my life. You know, I've been an athlete for the past, 12 years I'm 25 years old pretty much since I was 12 years old I've been playing football 10 years old really been training since I was 12 13 and I just use the experiences that I have to put the best program that I could possibly give to these kids because at the end of the day that's what matters it it matters just their development and you know their desire to get better so you you touched on it a little bit you said that the the high Staten Island high school athlete is that your target audience is that who you're looking for uh yeah so I mean not necessarily just that. I don't know. Like, I mean, listen, I, I've had, I actually had somebody come from, uh, from Brooklyn to come train and, you know, more power to them. That's great. And especially me as a startup, I can't, I can't be more grateful for that. You know, you're putting all your trust in me. You're putting all that time just to even get there to do the workout. You know, that, that's just, that means the world to me when people, when guys like that do that stuff. I had another kid take an hour bus ride during COVID right now just to get the training on time. And he was there 15 minutes earlier than anyone else got there. So more power to him as well. But, um, but yeah, the high school athlete is really my target goal. But now, at the yeah, same time. Can, can you explain, I thought you had different class types. Is, it, is there everything for the high school athlete or do you have different class type based on different people where they're at in their life? What I was just about to get to. My, the way my website set up and the way I wanted to create my brand and my, uh, my business is that I don't want to just target the high school athlete because everything that we do and everything that I've learned, it, it's so beneficial to every type of app, to any, 
type of person, you know, that just wants to get in good and better physical shape. So I have different classes and the first one is they're all, first off, they're all named off animals. So one of the greatest coach Manos quotes of all time, in my opinion, it's stuck with me my entire life. And actually Kenny King just said it to me the other day and I said, it just clicked. And that's what, that's kind of what had the ball rolling for me a little bit. And it says, sometimes you're the predator. Sometimes you're the prey. But no matter what, when the sun comes up, everyone in the jungle's running. Right? So <laughs> that just goes to show for me is like, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you're about. The only way to get to where you want to be is working your butt off. I try to keep a PG for you because I know you don't like cursing, but. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, but the only way to do it is just to work. And that's the bottom line. Right? So I say a lot of the stuff that Coach Mano said, you know, just show up. Hardest part is just showing up because the work is going to be there and you're going to compete with other guys and that's going to be that. But back to the uh, the classes so I don't go off on a little tangent. Um, all my classes are named after animals and they're named after the toughest animals in the jungle. I've looked them up. I've researched them here and there. Uh, so my logo is a rhino, which I know we're going to get to later on, so I won't touch too much on that. Um, the athlete development class so that's made for the high school and college athletes and there's some eighth graders that come train with me that are, you know, brothers of kids that I coach in high school that I know, families that I know and that they, that I trust and that they trust me, you know, to have their eighth grader kid come in and train with me. Uh, it's called the Honey Badger Program. So the Honey Badger Program is ma- named after the most fearless animal in the animal kingdom, in the jungle, whatever you could possibly think of. The Honey Badger is known to fight absolutely anything that's in his path. So I figured that's perfect for any athlete because anytime there's an obstacle in your path, you have to be able to take it head on. Because anytime you're going to be the guy that's going to go around and make excuses for yourself, then that's just, that's not what it's about. That's not what my training program is about. My training program is going to be, you know, we're going to compete every single day. We're going to compete with each other. We're going to encourage each other and, you know, it's just going to be a dogfight here and there, it, whether between yourself or between someone else, because that's the only way you get better. You know, iron sharpens iron is the most true statement ever. You know, if you're doing the best that you could, the person next to you is going to strive to do that thing, to do that same level of intensity. I mean, that's a sick name, too, because I'm sure uh, Baraji and Uske will like this. We're constantly watching animal videos on Instagram, but honey badgers have been known in a zoo to break into lion cages just to start fights with them. They know they're going to yeah. lose. They're going to start fights with them. Absolutely. You know, it's just, that's what they are. You know, they're just fighters. They're just tough little guys. You know, they're not, they might not win. They might not. And that's okay. You know, sometimes you're the predator and sometimes you're the prey, but you know what? At the end of the day, everyone's running, everyone's fighting, everyone's clawing. And that's what the athlete development honey badger is about. And what's, what's the next class that you have? Is it like, an All right, so yeah. So the next class is, um, so I originally, I've been toning down. I originally had about like seven or eight different type of class types, but <laughs> me doing seven or eight different type of classes by myself at this point in my life is a little tough. So I, uh, I archived those for a little bit. I'm going to save those for another day. Um, but uh, my next really most popular one, I guess, for in-person training is my wolf pack training. So I have private training, which is one-on-one, which is called my lone wolf. And then I have my custom group training. So you know, kind of like us, where we have our group of guys and we're not, we're not restricted to them. But if you can imagine hey, me saying, hey, you know, coach, like I want to train with 
me and five guys that I go to Cortland with and like, we're going to train. I want to train at this time. You know, I make that available for those groups of people. And it's not just athletes like that. I have one, one group of, um, one, two brother groups that go to New Dorp and, uh, they train with me. That's one wolf pack. And then I have another group that are just friends and, you know, and they were athletes their entire life. You know, they now have moved on to other things, you know, they're graduated from college and they just want to compete and they just want to work. And when you're working with somebody that you love and working with somebody that you care about, you want to push them over just as much as you want to get better. You want to make them better. So I, I see no way of no other way of, of getting better, no better way of getting better than to push the people that you love. Love it. Love it. Right. And then my last one is just, um, well, my last two, my last one is a actually zoom fitness class. Cause you know, it's so big during quarantine figured, you know, why not dabble my hand? I do that Tuesdays, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at seven thirty PM. And I just break it up. If you want to join, anybody can join. Cause I do it myself just like I do everything else myself. And, I modify it as I go. So if I see people in the class that, you know, might be struggling with the warm up, because I, I use the warm up not only to warm up our body and prime our muscles for the workout ahead, but I also use it a little bit as a test. So I, not as a test, more of an assessment rather. So I can assess the, guy, the people that are doing, you know, hey, this guy, this guy or girl doesn't have that great of um, hip flexibility, you know, kind of like how I was. So now I know the adjustments because, I was the king of not ankle flexibility or hip flexibility, you know? So I know all of the modifications that I can make in all of the exercises so that it better suits them. Right. So when you're doing zoom, where are you yeah. physically? Like, where are you, where are you? You have a big basement, you have a garage gym. What are you doing to that? Uh, so I have, I'm in my basement pretty much if it's raining out, but if it's nice out, I'll go in my backyard. I'm lucky. I just, my parents just did the whole backyard over and it's beautiful, you know? So I got a nice little background there. And I just put the computer screen up and, you know, we just get through it. We just get after it. Now, when the you're way doing... I actually break it up, though, Coach, is something you'd love, I feel like. So, um, so the way I break it up is we do my dynamic warm-up, my assessment, if you will. So that will take about 10 minutes. And then for the next 20 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes, what I do is called a power uh, – not a power circuit, but just a power, um, a power section of the workout. So during that, we don't use any equipment for it. Absolutely no equipment. I don't want you to bring anything. Not necessary. But we'll do a lot of Occam stuff, right? So th for those of us that don't know what Occam stuff is, first off, you haven't been listening to the podcast, I'll tell you that. Second off, Occam just means I'm going to count. I'm going to go slow down. I use a five-second interval, so I go five seconds down. I pause the bottom, and I go five seconds up, pause the top, and that's my, that's my tempo if you will, that's what Bobby Alvarino used to call it in the workouts that, uh, that he used to make for me, um, the tempo that we use for the reps. So we'll do that, and what we're doing is we're creating that constant tension, and we're simulating, we're kind of tricking our body to thinking that it has weight. So thinking that every push-up I do is like I'm pushing 1,000 pounds, right? And every squat that I do is like I'm squatting up 1,000 pounds, right? So I do them three times a week. So for the upper body day, I'll do some sort of push-up variation where it's still going to be either an Occam or if it's going to be, you know, a pause in between, whatever it is, it's something that's tricking our muscles to thinking they have weight. And then that will get supersetted with some sort of mobility exercise. So for example, the first week I did it, I did an Occam squat 
for a lower body day with a Cossack squat, right? So Cossack squat, we'll go 10 seconds on one side and 10 seconds on the other. And then completely after that is your time to take a break. You have a minute and a half to rejuvenate your body, take a full recovery until we get into the next set. Because as you have taught me, and it's one of the biggest things that you have taught me is your body gets the most out of exercise when it is fresh and when it is recovered, not when it is completely damaged and too tired to move. Now, one of my views that is a little bit different than your views is that, yes, it is important to make sure you are recovered. And especially when you're doing stuff like that and you're focusing on power, focusing on strength, so important to have that recovery. But the mental aspect of lifting kind of gets thrown to the side when we only work out like that and we don't have that finisher at the end, if you will. Right. Yeah. So that's why when we do that, when we did that work out a couple of weeks ago, you did, um, called it a certain word you set of <laughs> inverted rows. Right. And you know what? <clears throat> that's great. You know, you're leaving the workout thinking you just killed something, even though what we do, we just walked around with a sandbag, really, you know, the sandbags were heavy and it was not easy. Don't get me wrong, but were we running? No, absolutely not. Was my heart rate really skyrocketed? No, probably not. But I was still working. I was still working hard, you know, but at the end, that one thing gasses you out and it, but it allows your mind to push through. So for example, I was doing that and I got, I forgot what number you hit. You might've hit 26, right? So say you hit 26. I knew as soon as I got to 20, even though I was exhausted and, you know, I had, I might've had two more left in the tank. I knew I got to hit 26 and I knew that there was no way that I was letting go of those rings until my body went up 26 times, 27 times. Cause that's just the mental edge that you have to have in life and in training. And that's something that training translates so well to life. So I, I think this is an awesome segue into the name of your, your outfit called headstrong fitness. So before you say why you did it, I just want to say that having coached you, as a player and in training, it was always the thing about Joe Sarno. Like Joe Sarno's a man amongst boys on this field, not just because he's physically bigger, but because his mentality is, I'm not going to let this happen. I still remember against Stepanak, you got knocked down. You did like some sort of jujitsu backflip and then got up and ran down the field and made the tackle. You, it's in, my, in my mind, that name is a perfect, you know, it's a perfect name for Joe Sarno. But, but why did you pick it? Well, first off, thank you. And that's, that's something that I've always stri- like striven to be. You know, I've always striven to be a leader over a player. Uh, that was something that I just wanted everybody to look at me and say, you know what, that guy does that thing the right way. And that's what I want to be like. So, but getting the head strong is, yeah, you know, it just, it kind of just came to me. And, and I was thinking about it for a while. I was thinking, I was like, you know what, whatever my name is going to be, whatever my brand's going to be, I got to love it and I got to believe in it. And one thing I've always believed in was the mental aspect of everything is, a hundred percent more important than the physical aspect. I've always believed that, you know, it's not, it's not the fight. It's not the dog in the fight. It's the fight in the dog. And at the end of the day, your mind controls everything. So your mind's the most, the strongest muscle in your body. And for the reason of you working out and you competing with other people, you're strengthening your mind. So the reason why I said headstrong is just, we're just attacking the mental aspect as well as the physical and right. Like I'm going to tell you why we're doing these things, but at the end of the day, you got to get through it. You know, nobody's, there's no way out. That's it. Once you show up, you show up, man. 
You ain't getting out of it. You're finishing no matter what. I don't care how long it takes, you're finishing. That's something that I learned at sea is just a concept of finishing. No matter what I started, I have to finish. I don't care what it is, what it takes, how long it takes. I will finish that activity. I will finish that exercise. And it should be said, before you even had your own training, Alvin, even at advanced training, the thing that bothered you the most is if someone didn't finish a workout. Like, you're always the guy if somebody's struggling at the end. No matter how tired you are, you're in that guy's face. You're screaming at him, let's go, let's finish. Even my cousin came to work out with us this weekend. He's trying to finish up the set of sled pulls, and there you are. You don't know who, you don't know him. You never met him. You probably spent 10 seconds standing next to him in the warm-up, mm-hmm. and you're screaming at him, let's go, let's finish, let's go. Hey, but the thing is, anybody that's willing to put themselves into the fire – and, you know, put themselves in that opportunity that's with us, then, you know, what? they deserve that. They deserve that encouragement. They deserve somebody that's willing to push them along the way. So that's that's one of the reasons why I do it. You know, I do it for guys like that, that, you know, maybe if I don't say anything, maybe he does finish. Maybe he doesn't. You know, maybe he takes a second, you know, goes to throw up on the sideline, and then you DQ him, you know. But at the end of the day, me getting on him is going to only make him better. Because me putting that into his head, that somebody else actually cares about me, you know, and that's something that's like been a really big thing for me is that you got to show people that you care because at the end of the day, when you, when people know that you care about them, they'll do anything for you. They'll run through a brick wall for you. Right. So when you show someone that you genuinely care about their well-being, you genuinely want them to do great things in life. The sky's the limit. So t- taking it to that, I guess, and maybe you're answering the question already, but the, the logo itself, it's this picture of a, I'm assuming it's a, it's a rhino, right? Absolutely. It's a rhino. What, what made you pick that? Um, so the reason why I picked the rhino is actually because the rhino is also, when you look up the toughest animals in the animal kingdom, rhino is one of those ones that come up. So a rhino is actually built with having armor-like skin, so the skin is as tough as anything that you could possibly get through. And one of the biggest things about a rhino is that it's not going to be the guy like the honey badger that's going to, you know, get into fights and, like, force fights into him. But if if somebody attacks a rhino or somebody attacks a rhino's family, that rhino will do everything in its power to defend the ones that he loves. So it will do no matter what, no matter what it takes, if it's sacrificing himself, they will defend the ones that they love. And I guess you could say that about a lot of animals, but the determination of a rhino is actually something that's really well documented. It won't stop. It won't stop until the, until the job is done. So that's why I really, I chose rhino. And I got to say, I love that you didn't pick any uh, animal that would you'd possibly be coaching against on Staten Island. So that's also nice. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I, I, I easily could have picked a lion. You know, I could have easily picked a pirate. I could have picked a lot of things. And but it's just it just didn't didn't really see fit. And you know what? I understand that some people, you know, if I went to Farrell and I saw a Viking as his logo, I probably wouldn't go, you know. Go 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 train with them. So it's a little bit of smart marketing on my part, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if I I don't know if I talked to you if you had certain logos up there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you talked about caring and, and and how much it means to an athlete. I still remember you're a senior year of high school. You're you're shipping off. You're packing to go to college. In the middle of it, you write me a letter, a very heartfelt letter, 
saying how much it meant to you that I cared about you. You know, it wasn't about the X's and O's. It wasn't about, you know, what we learned at an outside linebacker position or the things you learned over training. It was like, I can't believe a grown man who doesn't know me cares this much about me. So mm-hmm. and I, I think that it ties into the Joe Sarno story. And I think it's always good to have a story behind why you're doing things. And when you look at advanced training, guys look at you and say, wow, this guy's huge. He's a beast. He must have just come out of his mother's womb at 6'3 and 200 and something pounds and won every tough man. But that wasn't the case. You had a long journey. Also, I'd say, I think to be fair, in college, you're not a, a monster, right? You're, you're an undersized defensive end. Hell, you oh, were yeah. probably an oversized safety that we had yet, which is a great move. <laughs> but you weren't uh, this, this six foot five, 285 pound lineman. So, and also your story as an athlete is, in, is insane because you're right. You couldn't squat. You lacked mobility. You were tough as hell and you toughed your way through everything. But you have this journey from a guy who's played every depth of position on defense. So DB to linebacker to D line. So you have that all in your back pocket. You're a football coach. You're a defensive coordinator. So you're now t- you're able to tie in what you're doing to football players. And you weren't born the greatest athlete in the world, but you made that happen. So, I mean, now I'm telling my side of your story, but I'd love to know what is what is your version of this story? Like, what are you telling these guys? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, my story is, you know, it's like a lot of others. You know, I've had my ups and downs. You know, I've just – I've battled through I've, the best I could. It's nothing like your story, which is obviously incredible. And if you haven't listened to that podcast and you listen to this one, after you're done with this one, go to that one next because that's an incredible story. You know, just of perseverance and everything like that. He's literally a modern-day Rudy that we're talking to right now. But, you know, just through my experiences and everything like that, you know, I I started off playing football at 10 years old, and, you know, I fell in love with it. I really did. I didn't start in the beginning, even though I was probably one of the bigger kids at a young age. Um, Busted my butt to get to where I was. Ended up starting by the end of the year. Again, this is like fourth grade we're talking about. And right after, at this point, this was when – you were coaching my brother actually at C, your first didn't at C. And my brother took it completely on him to make me the best possible version of myself that I could. So I, I can always be so grateful though for everything that Rob did for me. You know, I remember being outside, getting trying to push his Mustang up and down the hill by myself with him <laughs> in the driver's seat. And you know what? He didn't let me quit. And that's that's kind of where it all started for me with headstrong and, you know, just being mentally tough. And I remember this so many times where, like, I used to legitimately hide in the bathroom because I would be like, oh, my God, I have to go work out today. Like, you know, and I didn't love it at first. I didn't. That's the honest truth. You know, I didn't love it. But when I started to see what the benefits that – not just as a – as a physical aspect, but as a mental aspect of now I have all this confidence in myself. You know, I, I'm not just some chubby fat kid anymore. You know, I'm starting to, starting to become Joe Sarno. I'm starting to become who I am today. And I guess the best way to do it is like the thing that I've always taken pride in, you know, everything I've ever since I was that age was being a leader. And it was always derived from the work ethic that was built as a young age. And, you know, as I came into high school and as I went to college, that work ethic was, it wasn't shown, it was solidified. So it was something where now every coach that I met, they knew that I was going to do whatever it took. I was going to bust everything in my body 
just to get to where some guys that get there naturally will. I've said all the time, you know, I've made myself as athletic as my body can almost humanly be. You know, I'm sure there's obviously way more room to improve everywhere, but I'm man-made athleticism. That's what I am. And, you know, if I can do it, literally anyone in this world can do it. It's not, it's not rocket science. You know, you don't have to, as much as I love doing stuff like, you know, all the compound movements and, you know, the overhead squats and all the crazy stuff that you put on Instagram, stuff like that. It's not, it doesn't have to be rocket science. It doesn't, you know, at the end of the day, are you going to push the sled five yards or am I going to push the sled five yards? It's, it all boils down to the same thing of competition. So, you know, my story is just, I just tried to make an impression on everyone that I've ever met. You know, everyone I've ever met, I want, I want them to leave the room and say, oh my God, this guy is the hardest worker in the room. Because that's something that you can always, always control. Now your your dad, I mean, he, I've seen the pictures, he's completely jacked up. Is he the one that made you and Rob have this, such this strong mentality? So I give all the credit in the world to my dad. You know, he's at... A young age, you know, he made it to almost everything that I ever did. You know, I played a bunch of sports as a kid. Um, worked three jobs, you know, barely home. If he was home, he was sleeping. You know, he was showering, he was sleeping. And if he wasn't home, he was either lifting or he was working. So the work ethic that he had, and it's not something that he ever told me. You know, he always said, he's like, I don't want you to be like me. I don't want you to work three jobs. You know, I want you to be some white-collar guy making millions of dollars. But that's just not me. That's not, that's not something that I always strove to be. I always, wanted to, I always wanted to do whatever it took to make other people happy. I, I would rather sacrifice my short-term happiness for somebody else's long-term happiness. And that's something that I've taken with me as a coach and as an athlete. You know? So I'll bust my butt. I'll watch eight hours of film you know, on film day just so these kids can have a fighting chance to beat some teams, you know, beat some teams that, you know, some teams that we should beat and then some teams that we shouldn't beat some years. But I'm, I know that I'm willing to sacrifice everything for someone else. Because, and that's 100% because of my father and the way that he sacrificed so much for us as a kid. I think he was working multiple jobs or maybe he was retired and working a second job, but I just remember seeing him working at night in places I was at. And he's just an awesome guy, like an appreciative dad. Yeah. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. My son's like not many parents are that happy with coaches, but uh, he made a huge impact on me. And there is this rumor that your dad like saved a couple people's lives. I don't, I don't know if it's true <laughs> or not. I'm, I'm going to keep that rumor going. Yeah. He's, um he's a little humble. So I don't think he even, I don't think he's ever told me that one. So, <laughs> but yeah, he's like, he's, that's something other thing you taught me. You know, you always get more with vi- with um with sugar than you will with vinegar. So you never want anybody to have a bad impression. You never leave somebody with a bad taste in their mouth. So we're gonna change gears real quickly. Uh, you became a trainer during uh, these strange times. So you didn't really tell anybody. Then you reveal it on uh, quarantine questions. So what made you? And I say trainer, I mean like a certified trainer, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. What made you go out and get a, the official certification? Um, so the reason why is just, it kind of gets, I, it's something that I've always wanted to do. You know, I've always done it in my free time, excuse me, with, you know, with friends, with family and stuff like that. I've always given tips, but again, it goes back to the legitimacy. So I just wanted to have that legitimacy to my name. I wanted to be confident in myself that, you know what says anything, 
you know, I am certification. Like I have the certification. I got this. I worked my, you know, my tail off to get this. And there's really no question about it for anybody else. And I'm assuming if your certification is anything like mine, first of all, take a step back. For those of you listening, you don't necessarily have to have a certification to be a great trainer and you don't have to be a great trainer if you have a certification. You know, just I think if you are a great trainer, the certification will just enhance the capabilities that you have. Mm-hmm. So I'm not telling anyone that they have to do it, but I'm with you on the legitimacy aspect of it. But for me, one massive benefit is that it forces you to get continuing education credits. So yes. you really can't get stale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And that's, that's something that I, that I have with the teaching field too. You know, I'm, for those that don't know, I'm a phys ed teacher at PS26. Um, it's something, you know, we always have to go to professional developments. We always have to strive to get better and stuff like that. And that's just required by, you know, teaching standards. So that's nothing new for me there, but something I'll, that's something I'll always do. I always believe. And one of my friends just said this quote to me and I never heard it before actually, but it's a really good one. She said, if you're the smartest person in the room, then you need to get out of that room. So that means, you know, you never want to be the smartest one. You never want to know everything. You never know everything. At the end of the day, you have to be a sponge. That's why even on like through social media, you know, people make so many things that say how bad social media is and stuff like that. Social media has made me so much smarter. It's been silly because every video that, you know, guys like DeFranco's post, I'm watching it and I'm looking at it and I'm like, wow, you know what? That's incredible. I never would have thought about that. And I'll implement that into mine. You know, the videos that you post up, I'll see that. I was like, you know what? That's a really good idea. And I'll use that. I'll use a variation of that. And you know, that's what, that's kind of what gets the gears in my head running a little bit. Yep. And I I think it's, it could be a great tool or a horrible monster, depending Mm -hmm. on how you use it. If you're, if you're healthy about it, you're going to be okay. Uh, My, my struggle is I get overwhelmed because I, look at 8,000 workouts and I try and incorporate them all into a program. And then my program is a disaster. Oh so, yeah. You preach it to a choir on that one. You know, you, it's, it's kind of something that like I've looked, I've made workouts and I've been like, Oh my God, I'm on 13 exercises for today. I was like, this is not even possible. I can't like my body physically cannot keep this up. So I definitely know where you're coming from. But once you, that's something where you really take a step back and you look and you're like, Whoa, all right. Time to tone it down a little bit. Yeah, I have an upcoming podcast literally talking about the art of developing a program. I'm just, I'm work, you know what happened? Uh, side note, Rob Milianico, the guy who had worked for the Jets, is, is starting to also get into this. And he was asking me very detailed questions about how do you make a program? How do you know what's right? How do you know what's too much, too little? So we documented the questions. We'll put it together. I'll share it with you guys later. But it's, it's my biggest struggle as a trainer is actually taking stuff out without adding too much stuff in. Yeah, but back that's to you. Great. Back to you. Mm-hmm. So uh, these are obviously, again, strange times. What, what has made it more challenging for you during these strange tra- times to start up this training outfit? Um, so really just um, nothing's really been a challenge. I've kind of been lucky. You know, I have people, the people that I train are pretty much, I don't want to say they're, they're over the quarantine thing because they're not. But if they want to be by themselves, then I kind of know that they're a little, a little shaky about it. You know, but I really haven't had that many problems. You know, I, I'm primarily outdoors. I have a nice big pickup truck that I can stick everything in the back of. And I, you know, travel to and from the field. I travel just about anywhere. You know, that's that's just the the lucky advantage, I guess, that I have with just being myself and using the weights that I have. And I haven't bought that much equipment yet. I've made a bunch. 
um, which I know you're going to ask me about later. So I won't get too much into that. But yeah, no, it's I've really I haven't gone crazy. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I I would think you've nailed one of them. Are people scared to be around each other? I know in our advanced training group, we don't have full 100% commitment from everybody that they're okay to do even the socially distant workouts that we're doing, but it sounds yeah. like your crew is okay. Uh, and then the second thing was, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get weights right now. Right? It's hard to get anything because everybody wants it, but you, you went around that and made your own prowess. Yeah. So, so that's something that's like that, that I'm learning and it's, it's tough. And I talked to one of my other friends that actually, he started a training thing. He's been training kids for a while out in long Island and he's uh, called tier one sports. Have you ever heard of him? Great guy great athlete, you know, knows everything that you could possibly know about, about the game. So really great guy. And I just, I asked him, I, cause I'm looking at the website that, uh, Deridita sends us and I'm like, Oh my God, is it $180 for a 45 pound plate? I was like, <laughs> is that ridiculous? I have no idea. I literally have no clue about any of it. So I'm hesitant to buy it. And then I think I'm like, you know what I need, if I buy a regular prowler, that I need to buy plates that fit it. I can't. So why not just knock two birds out one stone and I'll just make my own. And the way I made it was I made a basket instead of a, um, a pole for the weights. So I could literally throw anything I want. I throw anything from the sandbag inserts that are 50 pounds each. I'll throw actual plates in it. You know, I'll throw dumbbells. I'll throw medicine balls. I'll throw whatever. You know, I could just use it that way and it makes it a lot easier. And creativity, uh, it loves constraint. So th- th- this weird situations kind of force you into being as creative as possible. I'm sure those kids enjoy it. They go down there, there's some wooden sled. They don't know what the hell it is. Oh, absolutely. I call it the wooden horse. I call it the wooden horse to them. <laughs> and um, they love it. They do. And they say all the time because they, they keep asking. They're like, coach, are you going to open up a facility and stuff like that? I'm like, guys, I've literally been training people for a month now. I don't know if I have enough money for a facility just yet. Um, and they literally said, I'm like, I'm like, one day this wooden horse, the wooden horse is going to be in a glass case. Like, that's what's going to happen. The wooden horse, these furniture sliders, and this tree rope is going to be in a glass case up for everybody to see where we all started. And I'll give you a piece of unsolicited advice. Maybe it's uh, not advice, but a story. I don't know if you've watched Grand Torino, but uh, Clint Eastwood, he befriends this young kid. The kid goes in his garage, and he's like, wow, how, how did you get all these tools? And the kid gets overwhelmed because – Clint Eastwood has every tool you'd ever think that a, ma- a grown man would have. And he said, listen, kid, I didn't get them all at once. I got them over time. So if you're yeah. looking at even the limited tools that I had, I didn't have all those tools. I think I told you our first tough man, it had a sandbag and a bucket with sand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it, it took me a while. And the other part is where do you store it? If you're living at home with mom and dad, do they want a prowler and uh, 800 pounds of weights in their garage? Probably not. My dad had heating and air conditioning equipment in there. So yeah. For me, there was it was incremental over time, and then every year I bought a new toy, and I just kind of reinvested in the program every year. Mm-hmm. So take it for what it's worth, but I love the fact that you're you're making your own stuff, and I, I watched you guys work out; they're killing it. There's no there's no loss from what you're doing at all. No, yeah, they listen. They they, they these kids are resilient. You know, they they get after it. And that's just that's what Headstrong's all about. You know, just showing up. You know, working. But yeah, my the one of the biggest things is I really have nowhere to store it. You know, I'm still living home. I don't have my own house yet, and I don't have my own garage where I can afford to put everything in. I'm just lucky that my dad likes working out just as much as I do, and he'll use the stuff that I buy. So when I bring it out of my truck and I put it in the garage, 
I'll come out an hour later. My dad will be using it. He's been playing with it. I came out the other day. I came out the other day, and he snapped one of my, my resistance bands. I was like, da, what's, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to get a resistance band? Right it's now? impossible. <laughs> so another great saying is it's better to have uh, rich friends than to be rich yourself. So this is another good story. When I was early in my career, in my uh, white-collar career, a guy that I was working with was selling a weight set for $800. It's a full tree, 245s, 235s, 225s, a bunch of 10s, a bunch, like everything you could think of. A bench, two barbells, a curling bar. Wow. Dumb- He's selling it for $800. So I buy it, but I have nowhere to put it. And at the time, my wife, who was then my fiance, was like, what are you doing? Why are you buying this stuff? So I had a rich friend. I stored it in his house for two uh-huh. years until – and he never used it. And he just let it collect dust. And now it's it's what I have. So you said a hundred eighty dollar uh, forty five pound plate. Think about all the stuff I got because the guy was just trying to clean yeah, it. Absolutely. And you guys are still using it to this day. You're still mm-hmm. using it. So yeah. what what about these strange times has made it more of a blessing? Like one thing I can think of is that you know you kind of have a captive audience. These kids they can't go to a gym, right? Like they have to go to somewhere. This is a great opportunity. Is, is this what you're seeing from your end? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that's that goes with kids and that goes with, you know, with adults, too. People are getting people are tired of sitting at home. That's the bottom line. You know, nobody wants to sit home. Everybody, you know, you can go for a run, but now I hate running personally. It gets old after a while. So everybody wants to turn like turn up the intensity. And that's what I'm here for. So if you want to try to get better in any sense, you know, that's what I'm here. So one of the biggest things is when you're on the field, it's such a different workout than when you're at the gym, because at the gym, you have so many different distractions. You have so many different things going on. You know, I have my phone on me. I have, you know, there's, there's girls, there's guys, there's everything, you know, it's, there's a lot of distractions, but when you're on the field, especially if you're training with me, you now take my mentality with you. So when I'm in the gym and it's same way, me and Tronzo talk about all the time is same way you train is, I'm going to get – I don't care if I have 10 things on my program or if I have five. I'm getting them done within my 55-minute period, and that's that. You know, I'm not talking to anyone. My headphones are in. I'm listening to music. Even if my headphones are dead, they're still in because I'm not talking to anyone there. I refuse because I'm there for one purpose, and that's to get myself better. If I wanted to talk, I would go somewhere else. So, so you made something click in my head too as, as you were saying that. You know, people, for the most part, think when they go to a gym, they know better than you. Like, ah, yeah, Coach Sarno said to do this, this, and this, but I'm just going to do what every other person in this gym's doing. Oh, yeah, nobody, throwing paint on the Mona Lisa. Oh, my God. But <laughs> nobody on their own is showing up to Bloomingdale Park or Owl Howell, unless you're one of us, and coming mm-hmm. up with the workout like you're giving them. Yeah. So they're going to want to do it more than just walk into a gym by themselves, which they can't do right now anyway. So mm-hmm. it is really a great time in my mind. Yeah, and I wouldn't be really surprised if you saw – you know, with this, with obviously there's a bunch of gyms that are closing down, you know, poor sports club and, and uh, that beautiful benching arena. I mean, uh, <laughs> me, Brendan Spears and Nick King used to go there a couple of times and just, we literally just do any bench, anything that could possibly be like a meathead lift possible because it's such a great gym for that stuff. But, um, but yeah, a lot of gyms are closing and, you know, this could be how it is for the next year, you know, it, nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody has any clue. And if you do through Merck, please let us know. But, you know, it could be. And the thing is, not only are they not going to be open, people are seeing how good of a workout they can get 
without a gym, you know, and without paying that membership. They could pay pretty much almost the same amount to go to, you know, to go to Bloomingdale Park, have somebody bring everything with them. They don't have to worry about bringing anything. All they got to do is, you know, depending on what we're doing, you know, bring in a pair of cleats, bring in a pair of sneakers, bottle of water, and that's it. You know, you don't have to worry about preparing. You don't have to worry about thinking anything. You just go and you do. Yeah, and I've actually heard my wife say that too. Like she hate on vacation. She actually made me write her a program because she didn't want to think. Now yeah. she threw paint on my Mona Lisa. So <laughs> at least for the forty-five minutes, she got to do somebody else's workout. Yeah, so, well, I think that's just something that goes with just you know having a wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you heard you heard a six-minute Monday. She does not. <laughs> so, no. uh, what are the similarities between like your? I'll, I'll say the Honey Badger crew because that seems like the most similar group to what we do. How similar are they to to our guys in advanced training? Um, so it's basically it's not necessarily what we do when we train, but it's the tempo in which we do train. So everything, every there's a lot of moving parts. So it's it's a lot of times where you know I'm doing a prowler push, and then the other guy is doing you know a sled pull at the same time. You know, so it, that's that's definitely similar, but from as I'm getting back to, you know, the mental aspect of that's why I have my training is just the work ethic. You know, you're going there and you're going there with full expectations of, I have no time to waste someone else's time. Cause if I'm not investing my own time, then I'm wasting it and I'm just spending it. Right. So definitely our work ethic is huge. It's very, very similar. And that's what I love. That's something that I learned, you know, through all sports and especially advanced training is just you got to be able to work and you got to be willing to get better. And another thing is you just got to be willing to learn. You know, sometimes a lot of the big boys, you know, they're doing sliders and it's tough. It's tough for them to move their body. You know, I'm asking 275 pound people to move 10 yards going reverse on a slider and it's tough, you know, but they're willing to do it. They're willing to put in the work. They're willing to learn, you know, why am I doing this? And yeah, so there's a lot of similarities, I will say. But there's also a lot of key differences. So what what are some of those differences? So a lot of the differences are basically um, like what I'm doing too. So, for example, it depends what I'm doing. So for the athlete development, we're just talking about the Honey Badger class, right? So for the Honey Badger class, if there's eight guys in a group, First off, I try to do eight stations no matter what, whether it be doubles up, you know, two stations of sliders, which we did for the first time the other day. And that was a big time struggle. But I'll also try to do some sort of weightlifting into it, as well as incorporating more core, as opposed to just, you know, the basic, not basic five, but excuse me, like the big five lifts that we always do. So, for example, I did one where it's, you know, we're doing med ball slams and then right into it, we're doing a power off hold. And one of the things that, because I know one of your questions on here is, what would you like to incorporate into advanced training based off those differences? And one of the biggest things that I've had a lot of success with and the kids, you know, they've taken all the credit to them. They take all the responsibility and all the accountability is if we're going in a circuit and say somebody's holding that power off hold, they ain't letting go until somebody taps them off. So it's kind of like a tag team a little bit. So they're holding, they're holding. And now say somebody's doing an overhead carry, right? An overhead dumbbell carry. If that guy's walking to him, now you're just, you're letting your teammate struggle. You know, you're letting your teammate get, not, not, not get hurt, but 
you're putting your teammate in pain by not busting whatever you can do to get to them. So it, it does a great job of holding people accountable. I, I actually, I like that. Cause I was even thinking of like a challenge where with all, in all world where one guy is holding the farmer's walk and he's got to hold it as long as another guy's doing something else. And so now he's relying on that other guy to go as fast as possible. Yeah. So now instead of just, you know, bringing it down to a tag team where it's four people doing it or, you know, well, one-on-one where it's only two, now it's everybody's doing it. You know, everybody's accountable for each other. And if the guy behind you's fast, you know what? Good for you, but hold it a little bit longer. But if the guy behind you slow, you better be in his ear. You better be talking. You better, if the guy behind him better be pushing him forward. Jimmy Yusuke, you taking notes for uh, some crazy challenge? <laughs> Hopefully you're writing this down. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> so when, when I remember in your, say, early high school days, sorry, your late high school days, your early college days, you and Ryan Smith took a lot of joy in trying to get under my skin, question the program, <laughs> question how soft I was. You know, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, now that you're you're doing it, I know you're only a couple of months into it, but you've done it before high school. You did it at, at a training facility. Are there things that you appreciate more now, now that you're a coach, than you did when you were, I'd say, just, quote, unquote, an athlete in the program? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And it, one of the biggest things is, like, when I was younger and I just, you know, I didn't I didn't value the the meaning of just being on time, you know? So I have guys that I've changed the workout times for, and then they don't show up. <laughs> so I'm getting there. <laughs> well, I'm getting there. 15 minutes early and you're not even showing up to the workout at all. And I have guys that are getting up earlier now and, you know, making accommodations and making the changes in their lives so that they can better suit you. And then you don't show up at all. So did they catch the, uh, the advanced training curse where the guy who acts for a different time doesn't show up? You know, I've been doing this for about three weeks and so far it's pretty accurate. I got to say <laughs> pretty accurate. So do you ever foresee, uh, your young pups going against our seasoned vets, and when I and I'm including you in this, by the way, as being up with us, not with them, in a head-to-head tough man tag team competition. Oh, absolutely! But I, I mean, the thing is, I I have so many, I have so many, so I I just have a lot of people. You know, I have like people that say they're going to train, whether they come or not, is right around like 22 as a total, right around there, anywhere from 22 to 25. So it's tough because now I have to dwindle myself down to six, right? Almost six. We have a small crew. And that's something that, you know, they'll, what I've learned in through college football and, you know, and through training, especially with you, is that it'll dwindle out on itself. You know, the week, the week will fall off on their own. You know, once football stops for some people, they might not train anymore. You know, they might let themselves go. They might, they don't, they don't value it as much, but, the strong will always survive. The strong will always survive. And that's, you know, I went into college football. It was me and 60 other freshmen, me and 60 other freshmen. I left with not including transfers. I left with 11 freshmen of the same people that I came in with. And I think it goes back to that. Just show up, right? Like if you just stick it out, you're going to be okay. That's it. All it, it's all it is. It's the hardest part. And it's something that, you know, again, it's a mental obstacle. It's just, you know, wow, like this, you know, it might suck. Like this workout might suck and it might be really hard. But at the end of the day, you're going to have a pulse. Like you're going to get through this. If you have that mental, that mental capacity to just say like, you know what? That 40% rule where my mind 
only thinks it can handle 40% and it's really got 60% more left in the tank, right? If, if that's the way I think, then you get the right thing. And now I know you've kind of touched on this in the six minute, not the six minute Monday and the quarantine questions, but you, mm-hmm. you've already been a coach. You've already been a trainer. This isn't relatively new to you, but it's a lot of work setting up a training session. It's a lot of work coaching a training session. It's a lot of work lugging that stuff into and out of your truck. It's a lot yeah. of work demonstrating movements a hundred times. Like you're working out all day now. How has this mm-hmm. impacted your own training? Yeah. So this was a good question because this is something that I've like, you know, I've really, really been struggling with. So I've really been full head of steam, you know, for this is my second week now, full head of steam with all of the classes, you know, I've done, I had some practice rounds. I called them, you know, with a select group of guys that I knew were going to show up that I knew were going to come and, you know, just be very, very coachable and gave me a really good, a good practice round for, you know, coaching athletes and other people. So, I was lucky to have that, but I very, very, very much underestimated how much it's going to take a toll on me. You know, I, it's tough, you know, it's my biggest obstacle keeping up my eating. You know, I, I try to eat three times a day at least, but these past two weeks, I'm lucky if I get breakfast and I get lunch because at the end of the day, I have a class from six to seven and then from seven to seven thirty, And before that, I have some days I have a class from three to four. So I have from four to from four to six to really get my meal and my lift in, not including earlier in the day when I have other classes. So I'm teaching almost six classes a day. And it's just, it's tough because especially with how it is now, one of the biggest things with there only being really one field that's available to me is I got to get there early. So I have to secure my spot. I try to get to places, try to get to my field at like, if my session starts at 6 p.m. and I'm not there by 5.30, in my mind, I'm not getting a spot. And I'm not going to be able to at least get one where I don't have to lug it three fields down, which I've done before and it's not fun. So just a lot of time, I got to be able to prioritize that better. And then the other thing is just drinking enough water. You know, it's tough when I can't even drink enough water to keep my body sane. I'm drinking during the zoom classes, I'm more exhausted than the people doing it sometimes because I just haven't drank that much water that day. I haven't drank that much water the day before, you know, and I try to, after I'm done with the class, I'll try to drink like my water bottle three times in a row, but you know, better than me, you can't get it all at once. You got to be able to spread it out. And you know, your body depends on that. It depends on that fuel. So that's something that I really got to practice what I preach and just get better at. Man, you hit on something too that I completely forgot about. It's just getting the field. Remember, we used to go to Bloomingdale. Guys would say, "Why do we have to go at this time?" I was like, "Well, if we don't get to go at this time, there's going to be an 80-person soccer match going on, and we're never going to be doing anything." Absolutely. We were relegated to the, the 5 a.m. club. Now, Owl Howl's better. There's four fields instead of one, but now everybody has no gym. So, yeah, it, it is a problem. Everybody's there, and everybody's sprouting. You know, everybody's sprouting up a business too. You know, everybody's seeing it as a as some people see it as a business opportunity, like, you know what, even if I don't, you know, if I'm not completely into this, and I don't love it. I can make the most out of it for the next year and a half. You know, I'm personally not like that. I am like, I'm a hundred percent in everybody that I've ever talked to about it. I've said like, listen, I'll throw everything on the line for it. I don't care. You know, this is my dream. This is my goal. This is everything for me. So, you know, people are there, people are, you know, they're fighting for that spot. You'd be crazy 
if you went there at, at three o'clock, you'd go insane with how many soccer balls are getting kicked into people's cars. It's crazy. So uh, two two more questions for you. The, one of them's easy, but the first one is: Do you consider yourself more of a football coach or more of a trainer? Um. So I think that 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 question kind of like correlates together because it kind of goes with you said football coach and trainer. And both of those involve being a teacher, which I am by nature. You know, that, that was my college choice. That was my career. And I've, I've now just decided to turn down another career choice of being a firefighter, which I know some people think I'm crazy, but it's just not what I love. It's not what I'm passionate about. You know, I'm passionate about teaching. And I, I love to teach people not only what to do, but why they do it. And that's something that allows me to not only be a great coach. I like to think I'm a great coach and a great trainer. I like to think I'm a great trainer as well. So I like to think of myself as a teacher over those things. Awesome. That is an awesome answer. Okay, we're going to end there. The last question I have for you is just how can people find out more about you and what you're doing? Where should they go? All right, so yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm on a couple things on social media. Um, I do not have Twitter yet, I, but I do have an Instagram page, with, which is just at headstrongfitness.si. And then a Facebook page, which is just Headstrong Fitness SI, with all the spaces in between. And yeah, you can go, all those have my website on them. They have my direct contact info with my email. My email is headstrongfitness.si20 at gmail.com. But again, if you don't remember that, that's right on there. And yeah, it's got my phone number. So if anybody ever wants to reach out, everything on my website is clickable. So if you see the Honey Badger icon and you want to join the Honey Badger Club, the Honey Badger uh, group, just click on it, decide whether you are high school, which high school is going to be at 645 because I moved it up 15 minutes for some people that couldn't get there at 7 because they have some stuff going on with their teams. Uh, 645 on Wednesdays and 7 o'clock on Fridays. And then college crew is 8 o'clock on Wednesdays. And I moved to 815 for guys on Fridays. So, um, 15 minutes of sleep, man. Enjoy those 15 minutes of sleep. Yeah, somebody else will, not me, though. <laughs> well, listen, man, I, I am happy for you. I'm proud of you. I love what you're doing. I wish you the best of luck. You don't need luck. I know you. You're going to make it happen. You're going to make it happen on your own. Mm-hmm. So good stuff, man. I can't wait to learn from you and keep watching you grow on this stuff. Yeah, and Coach, I just want to say thank you so much. Just, you know, like I said before, I went to college, man, you know, just for caring about me and trusting me and, you know, just – giving me all the tools that I have in my toolbox to just be the trainer and be the person that I am. So without you, none of it's possible. Thank you, coach. I, I appreciate that. And one day you will thank me for putting you at a strong safety. There's never going to be that day. <laughs> all right. When you're, you're teaching your son about strong safety, you say, man, I played this position as a junior in high school. You're going to gain it's a lot of even, credibility. It's not even a funny joke. It's not even a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Good luck. See you t- at the field tomorrow. Absolutely. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.